0: Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of Figure It, the podcast where we study the facts and statistics on Cyprus and figure out what it all means. My name is Fiona Mullen and I'm the director of Sapienta Economics. Figure It is hosted by Island Talks, the first trilingual podcast station of Cyprus. The idea of Island Talks is to get a conversation going all across this divided island and with all communities. One community that has started to make its voice heard lately, if you have followed the African newspaper story and how it eventually changed its name back to Avrupa, is the international student community in northern Cyprus. Both sides of the island have a growing number of international students. And based on the conversations I have been having with my guest today, both sides could do a lot more to attract and retain these students. So today I'm very pleased to introduce Femi Obasa, Femi is studying in northern Cyprus, but I think some of what he has said in our earlier discussions could apply just as well to the southern part of the island as to the north. Welcome, Femi, and thanks so much for coming on the program.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you very, very
0: much. So tell us what you are studying and how long you've been on the island, just so we can get to know you a little.
1: Okay. um, My name is uh, Femi Mbasa. I am Nigerian. I am currently studying my master's, master's in business administration in Northern Cyprus. And I've been on the island for about a year now.
0: Right, right. So you've learnt various things about how things work there. Um, in fact, higher education is one area in which a united Cyprus can do much better than a divided Cyprus. This is one of the arguments I made in uh, the PREO report I co-authored because there are so many complementarities. And nearly all the programmes in northern Cyprus are in English, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, And a lot of them are internationally credited, even beyond Turkey. Some of them quite prestigious universities. So... United or divided, if you're involved in the business of higher education, yeah. you need to make sure that you've got all the elements in place and ensure that students want to come and they want to stay. So this is what we're going to talk about today. Um, so let's start with a few numbers. H- how many students do we have in northern Cyprus, let's say outside pandemic times? What would, be, what would have been the normal figure this year?
1: About um, 800, roughly over hundred thousand. Easily over hundred thousand. Over
0: over a uh, hundred thousand. Wow, golly. Uh-huh. So, um, and do we know how many are neither Turkish Cypriot nor Turkish students?
1: Uh, to put that in perspective. To put that in perspective. Over a hundred thousand is twenty-five percent of the pop- of total population. I always like to put that in perspective because I noticed. You know, I, I tweeted that, I tweeted that statistic the other day. And somebody from Netherlands says, Oh, that's, uh, 100,000. That's not quite a lot. Not a like, lot hey, yeah. When you put that in perspective, that's 25% of total population. Yeah. yeah. Then... So
0: like one in four people is a student on in the
1: north. Yeah. Okay. So I always like to put it in perspective. and um, so we, we know that out of that number, we know that about 55,000 of those are Turkish.
0: Four, 45 or 55, did you say? Five, five. Right. Five fifty five. Okay.
1: Are Turkish or Turkish Cypriots, so we know that. We know that 47,000 are non Turkish or non Turkish Cypriots, which means that they are from over 100 countries. Now, out of that 47,000 from other countries, 30,000 of those are African. Wow. Yes, and a higher percentage of that 30,000, uh, out of that 30,000, Nigerians are in the majority. Right. So just
0: to, just to recap, we've got over 100,000 students. That's more than a quarter of the population. 47,000 of those are neither Turkish Cypriot nor Turkish. 30,000 are African and most of that 30,000 are Nigerian, right? Or a lot, a big proportion. Because Nigeria is such a large country. That's one key reason why you're enormous compared with tiny Cyprus. So, and also just for some comparison, so if you've got over 100,000 in the north, the latest statistics put the number in the south of non- Cyprus students at about only twenty five thousand. That was a two or three academic years ago. Out of a total student population of about forty seven thousand, so it's let's say approximately half. And some of those are non resident. They are they were already doing online courses even before um, COVID. So and so, what do we know about the economic impacts uh, the economic contribution of higher education to the economy in Northern Cyprus?
1: Okay, so. Um... I'm going to start from there, is the fact that Northern Cyprus has 20 universities. Right. For, for, for such a small island, for such a small country of 400,000 people, with 20, that's not a lot. Um, if you begin yeah. to, to put it in perspective, Netherlands has a population of about 15 to 17 million people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They have a total of 15 universities.
0: Right. Good Lord. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Exactly.
1: So, and then Northern Cyprus has a total population of 400,000 people estimated. And has twenty universities, so that tells you that um, that's quite a that's quite a high number.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, now, I in terms of um, statistics and contributions, those reports I read in twenty eighteen, we are seeing that education contributed a total of uh, one point six billion Turkish lira. That's about two hundred and twenty nine US dollars million. Sorry, two hundred and twenty nine million, million dollars. Million, yeah to the um, GDP of Northern Cyprus. Mm-hmm. And that's that's in roughly, roughly, in 2020, that should be roughly about twenty percent And this is before, this is pre-COVID-19 numbers, obviously. And so this is outside of um, the jobs that have been created for um, Turkish Cypriots, the, of the businesses that are supported mm-hmm. directly or indirectly mm-hmm. by the university. so obviously the school buses are going to run on gas um students are going to rent cars they're going to rent apartments yeah. they're going to buy clothing food so this is just direct, direct injection school fees and
0: none yeah of that. i think if that's in lira so i think the equivalent in the south is the one that says um higher uh higher education no total education in the south is only about was it total education i forget now 100, anyway, 184 million. So let's say if 229 million dollars, it's about the same for a much larger economy. So the the size of the economy in the South is about it's about 85, 15 thereabouts, 85 percent, 15 percent. So the you've got an economy that's something like four times bigger, which but has an education sector which is no bigger than the North. So in the event that we unite the island, this is a, this is a big foreign exchange area that, that we should be paying attention to, you yeah. know, e- despite all of its faults and someone which we will talk about a bit later. So now we've got trouble. I mean, everybody, everyone in higher education is um, talking about this, but I think if you're so dependent, it, if we think that tourism is about 20% and higher education is about 20% of GDP in terms of foreign exchange revenue, then Northern Cyprus has got a big problem if nobody's coming right <laughs> yeah. so um what well, what's we what do we know about how many people have already left and things like that
1: yeah, so um the way the education is structured in Northern Cyprus we typically have two admission seasons in a year, two graduation and by extension two admission seasons every year, so that's February and september September october there so, around February, um, so between February and May, a large batch leaves, and then between August and October, another batch comes back, and another batch leaves and comes back. So,
0: uh-huh.
1: um, about 40,000 people left the island. The island. Um, some of them had finished their programs. Some of them had, had um, you know, for very well, but it was time to move on to something else. But generally, a lot of people had finished their programs and it was time to go home, especially okay. so it's in light kind of COVID-19. It's of normal 19.
0: that they left, but it's not normal that they don't come back. Is that right?
1: Um, so it's normal that they left. Um, as for coming back, coming back is not particularly favorable. I don't know for, uh, for other international students, Turkish and Turkish Cypriots, uh, it's their home. So, yeah. um, they do come back when they want to, but for other international students, uh, well, the the is not the environment is not particularly friendly. So, yes, uh, a lot of them, yes. a lot of them do not. If they do um, go elsewhere, a lot of them do not come back. Um, so, in terms of what I mean by friendly, I mean in terms of jobs, in terms of businesses, there, there be a bit of restrictions, especially around African students. And this is one side that not Cyprus may be. I I I think maybe shooting itself in the foot. Yeah. In the sense that it is not leveraging on its biggest strength. Yeah. Right now. So you've got um, a big this-
0: you've got a big international student community, you've got a very large African community, and yeah, I think one of the arguments you've been saying is if you if you treat them well, then they're going to be good adverts for the rest of um yeah, for, yeah. for everyone else, yeah. right?
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: So yeah, so one of the things Femi and I have been talking about is how how you can Attract and retain international students, and I think you were talking, Femi, about you've got these six areas of what you call low hanging fruit, right so um tell tell me what those are
1: um so I had a conversation on Twitter yesterday. It was an issue in Northern Cyprus this week, yeah I think this week or last week, and so somehow some the issue got to Twitter um some girl had been arrested by the police for illegal abortion. She's Zimbabwean, is it Zambian or Zimbabwean. I don't remember. But she's African.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I met two girls or so. And somehow, somehow, somebody tagged me on it. Some Turkish superior somehow found my handle um, and tagged me on it. I'm like, oh, okay, you know, did I know about this? I'm like, yeah, I know about this. And, you know, so I tagged that to um, the, the platform, the body that helps international students in Northern Cyprus, which is a non-profit. I you mentioned, that voice the voice of international students—you know—is um, one of those strong voices for international students. Yes. On the island,
0: Voice of Cyprus, yeah. right? If I remember yeah,
1: correctly. Yes. Yeah. So, um, in, in the, the, there was a gap between um, that that was not filled, and because of the issues that not um, international students were facing, Voice had to be set up. To yes. be set up by students, for students to address some of this and to, you know, um engage the government on some of these issues. Okay, so I went I went online and I started to read a couple of articles. Part of the reason in that article, uh part of the reason that a lot of countries, um we don't typically have embassies in northern Cyprus. Yeah. And, and this is what I'm I'm starting from this angle. Yeah. So when I end you, so she was a, to...
0: so she was arrested for what she was accused of having illegal abortion, you said? Abortion is and there's no embassy so, in Northern so, Cyprus, no right.
1: Yeah, a lot of, yeah, a lot of us don't have embassies. And so the article said, even though we don't have embassies in Northern Cyprus, a lot of our countries, a lot of our home countries, um, in a sense, have some sort of arrangement for their students who are here. So some of them flying in once, twice a year to get our passports done, some of them right. flying in in some way to try and engage the government. Again, I can, I'm telling you this, but yeah, I don't know if this is going to make it to the final court. Right. Yeah, the, but, the, the picture consular, I'm bringing out The cost of the
0: services and stuff. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. The picture I'm bringing out here is that even though we say that politically and geopolitically not Cy- Northern Cyprus is not recognised, Yeah. in some yeah. extent we can see it has tacit recognition because... I mean, we, we, because their students are here, a lot of our countries are not going to leave us hanging. They're going to attend to us. They're going to get our passports done. They're yeah. going to, yeah. um, if possible, engage with the government. Yeah. They're going to do a couple of things. So, in a sense, that is some level of um, recognition already via the international students that Northern Cyprus could leverage on, if possible, you know, in a dialogue and a, in a very interesting manner. So, and that's one very strong importance to having it. just such a huge international student community. Um, and so, uh, the fact that international students don't stay, or that the environment is not very friendly for them, doesn't really, you know, help them, help the country in that sense. Yes. yes. Okay, so, so um, the second thing I'm going to look at here, um, like I said, low-hanging fruits, because these are things that, you so, know, when, so the government
0: sorry, is not going just to... So your first point already is that there's, um, that generally speaking, African students are not treated very well. Ex- yeah. This is exacerbated by the non-recognition issue. So that's already yes. a, a negative, uh, that's that, that that already makes it less easy to attract foreign students, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, to be honest, uh, I, I would be interested to know how well international students are treated in the south as well but <laughs> anyway I mean, I another could, conversation I for another day but yeah so yeah. your other points are
1: my other points are i was saying that they are low-hanging fruits in the sense that they don't actually need funding or grants or aid or money to be spent or yeah. they're basically policies regulation ideas the things that can be done are just adjustments that can be made and we'll make things better, and, and the country is going to win, the international students well. So it's a win win situation on both sides. Right. Um, starting from, uh, you know, the discounts on, on, on school fees. I mean, given COVID 19, every economy in the world is struggling. And yeah. discounts on school fees is is, is a no brainer, really. Yeah. Um, if you're really looking to um, attract students in, in this season, right? From because so you, you already pay more like, than
0: Turkish students, right? As an, as a, so, Turkish cypriots, okay, they're locals, as it were. But if you're from Turkey, yeah. you pay less money than if you're from, uh, let's say, Nigeria, right?
1: Yes, generally, generally, and, and this is uh, this is, I, I, I don't want to pin this on on Cyprus, but generally, this is, generally, international students anywhere in the world always pay more than right. local students. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that's general. International always pay more, and they get, in a sense, less scholarships. So. Um, if these guys are, for lack of a better word, your money maker, mm-hmm. you kind of want to keep that money coming. Yeah, I yeah. I mean, so a discount in school fees will be great, um, given the pandemic. Number two is regulation on on housing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, regulation housing. I, I was sharing with you that um, the contracts that some of the contracts that are that are given in to international students who sign are in Turkish. Did They intentionally write out the rent in words and not in, figures. not in figures so so it's just a sneaky way of charging I mean, you, you can more. add an
0: extra billion and nobody would notice so of exactly <laughs> charging
1: you more. And, and if if for whatever reason which is which is really hard and expensive so most africans most international students have um, avoided but if for whatever reason you do get into a, a matter with the courts yeah. Or the police, and that contract is brought up. You really can't defend yourself because you signed it, and yeah. it's not. And you basically said, by signing, you basically said, "Oh, I'm going to pay this." Yeah, but not just. So that. there's no one, the
0: There's no kind of organization, let's say, institutional level that helps that helps students even understand the contract, let alone helps them get, let's say, a fair price for their accommodation.
1: But understanding contracts being signed, um but understanding the, the the policies of the country and so on, understanding the way things are done, there's mm-hmm. no deliberate effort or intentional effort to do that. Mm-hmm. So it, it's really kind of not fair for when that happens to international students. And so some some landlords outrightly say, "Oh, you know, I'm not, I cannot rent my house to an African," which. Which is very, very interesting to see, because I mean you want to earn money you somebody has to pay, pay for that rent, yeah, and in some other places where you even get the rent to be paid, you are paying your your rent in foreign currency, not in a local currency, Yes. Yeah. um yeah. so you're paying your rent in pounds in yeah, Euro. they ask for it
0: in sterling right which is one of the yes. unusual things about Northern Cyprus.
1: Yeah, yeah, Northern yeah. Cyprus has this thing Where every, you know We basically spend four major currencies Side by side So the dollars, yeah. I mean you can literally yeah. walk into any store I mean any store, big store, small store Middle store, corner store Yeah Anywhere, right? Whether you have a dollar, a pound sterling, euro I said they Turkish display all,
0: f- all prices Sterling, dollar, yeah. pound And uh,
1: yeah no, the, pri- the price is in lira but you could pay oh, you in dollars. Ah, you could pay
0: any. Yes, I know that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you could pay <laughs> I've in tried dollars. To explain that and then to some Greek Cypriot friends who uh, who worry about yeah. the changeover. You know, if we unite the island, um, how how would you operate all of this changeover to the euro? I said, are you kidding? They'll, you know, in practice, you know, forget the banking system. That's a different. Issue, but the practical issue of shops is—it's not going to be a problem for anybody because they do it all the time.
1: No, they do it. They do it already. They do it already. So, so yeah, it's a bit. I mean, and and giving—it's part—it's part of the things that's putting pressure on the lira right now, and why you know um, the exchange rate seems to be very bit a bit unstable. But, but you know, generally, I feel I think that international students should pay rent in the local currency. Mm-hmm. Because that, that really helps. I mean, again, we're not asking for, you know, say, give us free accommodation or so. We're simply saying, okay, could we be more clear about what we're signing? Could we have a stable rent price? Could yeah. we not pay in pounds 30? Mind um, you, I have, have to say,
0: it's everybody, it's not specific to international students, that rent thing. I mean, it's everybody, for some reason, property is always priced in, British sterling. So, uh, I, know, I know that from friends of mine, but okay. So, we've got discounts, um, better regulation on rents. Um,
1: that thing I wanted to say was stabilisation on permits. Um, so we, we, as an international student, you have to renew your permits every year when you come into the country. You come in with a visa, and then you are given about 45 days to change that visa into a residence permit. Uh-huh. Now, one thing the government has, the administration has done, rather, is to keep increasing that price year on year, which is not very friendly when you think about it. Because if that the increases are not marginal, they are, in some cases, a hundred percent, in some cases, hundred and fifty percent increases on that price.
0: And and this uh, is for just to make it clear, because I remember you saying this. So let's say you might have a three year course, or a four year course, whatever, but um, the only price you know is the cost of your permit for the first year and then yes. everything else is uncertain for the following years, yeah? Yeah. So 100% In fact, increase, blimey. And does it change depending on the course? I mean, do you pay more for, let's say, studying medicine than studying... Uh... No.
1: If you are doing a one-year course or you are doing a 10-year course, the price for that year is the same for everybody. Right but um, you're not allowed to pay for more than one year.
0: Yeah. And
1: um, you have no control over the price change. So if you're doing a seven-year course, yeah, it means the price is going to keep going up every year for the next seven years. I think that that's something that should be looked into. Uh, you need to have some sort of stability.
0: Yeah,
1: I, I think, and, and, and this is me throwing out options, we would have both options. You could either pay for the entire seven years at a stretch,
0: mm-hmm.
1: or... You could and with or and slash or we could have some sort of stability around the price so yeah, that yeah. you could plan ahead, you could project. But right now, it's a bit difficult to do that because we, we nobody really knows how much permits are going to cost this yeah, year yeah. until September, and then it's, uh, so that that's something that needs to happen. And
0: uh, just for people who don't know, so if uh, the permit price is going up 100 percent, even at its height, inflation was about 30 yeah. percent, so we're talking about way, 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 way above inflation. Okay, so that's permits, yeah.
1: Then I talked about the Eastern um, banking sector. That for international, so it's quite, it's quite a challenge to get a bank account. Uh-huh. I, I did, I did mention that in Nigeria, where I come from, if you're a great citizen using just your phone number, your right. phone number, you could open a bank account.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, oh, they but... finally worked that out in the south, but it took a pandemic to do that.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it took the pandemic to do that. I mean, that's that's interesting, but but in Northern Cyprus, you need you need probably your left kidney, or you know, I don't know, a pint of blood. or something. <laughs> So, and, uh, so I mean, they don't really not... want
0: it's so, so, do most students have a ac- have a bank account in in um, in Northern Cyprus, or they just don't bother because it's too difficult?
1: Uh, so, it's it's, it's it's two things. One, most students do not have bank accounts.
0: They don't. Ah. Two,
1: those that have. Try as much as possible not to use it.
0: Right. I don't know
1: if I, um, I don't know if the banks actually sit down to think about this. But if I have my funds in the bank as a student, and every month you are billing me, you are billing me for these charges and that charges and that charges on a student income, where I am not allowed to have a job or have a good job, I'm not sure that quite adds up.
0: Right. I'm right. not
1: sure that um, that's that's uh, friendly, and especially if you want if you want transactions to, to keep coming or you yeah, want yeah. to keep a yeah, yeah. running account. <laughs> so that's something that we need to think about. That's, to... that's
0: interesting. It's almost the opposite of the South, that including um, people who come, you know, to work in houses there, I think they're obliged to have a bank account. So everybody, it's the opposite. They, they make sure everyone has to have a bank account so they can charge yeah. them the earth. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, you, you know, your I salary mean, has to good. come into the account if you're a foreigner and things like this. So yeah. I mean if, if you
1: if you have if you have a work permit so a few of us yeah I think less than five percent of total international student population have uh, work permits uh, so I mean the restrictions um, for for a background story for context international students have a lot of restrictions on the kind of jobs they can get and I'm saying this so that I can make my next point yeah on the kind of jobs they can get Um you're restricted majorly to brown-collar jobs, you know, cleaning, waitressing, driving, uh, and so on.
0: So you can only what? Dri- you drive... It, what did you say? Cleaning, driving, and...
1: Uh... Waitressing.
0: Yeah, okay. So basic jobs, yeah, yeah. Um, but
1: in a few places, the, the administration allows them to have So, for example, at the universities, you could be a research assistant, you so could be a lecturer or an assistant lecturer, you could... It could be all of that. So if few of us in that, uh, in those sectors, which is less than less than three to five percent of us. And so yeah, when you do get your work permit, you with your work permit you can open a proper account. But if you put that in context, that okay, that's about three or five percent of the total international student population. It means that there is a, still a very huge number mm-hmm. that yeah. cannot open bank accounts because they don't have regular jobs. right? Now, speaking of regular jobs, um, I can understand, and this is me, you know, um, I should give the administration some, administration some credit, that they made the process of um, registering the, uh, the you know, permit online and so on. But beyond that, I can also understand that probably they put in all those restrictions to protect jobs for and their own citizens. I mean, every country will protect their citizens first. Yes. Yeah. I, I, can, I can understand that. But on the other side of, of the aisle is the fact that opening a business or establishing a business or registering a business is also equally difficult. Yeah. And there are also restrictions for um, international students as well. Right. So you, you can't
0: op- what you're saying, you can't open up your own business, let's say, uh, you know, a startup and things like that. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. So statistics say that 26% of, of businesses are started at the university level. So if you put 26% in context here, remember that we said we have over 100,000 students on the island. Yes. And we put that 26%. That's modest and on a modest amount, that's about 20,000 businesses that should be opened. Right. At least in the first one year. Uh, But because the processes are so difficult, it's it's more like an uphill task, very, very old um, terms and conditions and very high pricing, it's not very friendly to open a business. So, on one hand, I can get a job. On the other hand, I can't also open a business. Yeah. Or establish a I business. think this is and
0: interesting. So, so there you are being, um, being taught an MBA degree, but if you wanted to start a business, start paying tax, contribute to the economy, um, you're not welcome. <laughs> Essentially, right? Um, yeah. It is, uh, we don't want people you know is is it's 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 a funny way around i mean i i can see a lot of countries do this you know it's not it's not only you're not allowed to work but not able to set up a business but i think the argument you're saying is if you actually allowed these quite entrepreneurial students to to run you'd make it easier to run businesses in northern cyprus then then that's another plus you get more tax revenue as well right yeah. yeah, beyond and the, employment, beyond, is the tax
1: revenue, beyond the tax revenue, you get more jobs. Yeah. You get more jobs for both immigrant international students and the citizens. Yeah. You okay. get um, a bigger economy. But, and this, I'm and, and tying this to my next point, because a lot of these businesses that, are, that will be started here will have strong ties with their home countries. Right. You also have better relationships with these home countries. Right. Than you would have without those businesses yeah uh, basically better international relations better international recognition because this regulation, in a sense in a sense that's why I lay in this conversation i made reference to the fact that okay some of our embassies provide consular services for us already it's simply a it matter of expanding that relationship uh-huh. to to now involve businesses and so on so um this is just yes tactics is one of that there's, there's better jobs there's a bigger economy there's there's more wealth for the island there's um better international relations relations and, like even even the banking sector wins right, so um I, I was having a conversation with someone too, a couple of a couple of days ago. And uh-huh. I'm like, okay, so because because there's pressure on the lira right now. Yes. Cyprus is also feeling that pressure since that's in a sense our currency, and I said okay, but you know, international sense could be the solution to solving that. Um, dependence on the lira to solve it, and so that everything is not. We don't always have to have. economic issues every single time the lira the lira has crisis. We could. We, have, we don't we could have to what? Up, Sorry, the, the, say that again. We don't <laughs> have to have run into crisis every single time the lira. The lira has, you know, has issues. Yeah. Okay. We could, in a sense, in a sense, build up our financial stability and be much better Yeah,
0: I mean, actually, you know, because I look very closely at the Turkish separate banks. And one of the reasons why they're not crushing is they do actually have a lot of foreign exchange deposits in sterling, in dollars, in euros. And those are much bigger than anything it's lent in foreign exchange. But, but I think, um, and that's despite the fact, like you say, that the students are not really banking in the north. So, um, um, but I think I see what you mean. Yeah. We, one of the longstanding issues about the northern Cyprus economy is that um, in the end it can it did survive well every year without any money from Turkey but ultimately it has to get money from Turkey but but if you if you make if you I think I think what you're saying, if I'm not mistaken, if you make a few tweaks to the way you treat international students, you can actually it actually helps you to be more independent and also yes. strengthens your international relations. Uh, which with my peacenik hat on, I would say that helps you prepare for a United Cyprus. <laughs> other people <laughs> yeah. might yeah. have other other uh, other ambitions with that as well. So, yeah.
1: I mean, I looked at the report for United Cyprus, the Peace Dividend, um, as you named it. I loved the document, by the way. I I did notice that um, a lot of sectors were listed. Higher education wasn't. Uh, It it was. We
0: threw it in at the very end. Um, But it was. We didn't make such a big fuss. Well, this is a whole other question. A lot of, I mean, this is why it's been interesting to talk to you because a lot of people say, ah uh, twenty universities in northern cyprus they must all be rubbish and they are they are only this is the sort of narrative you get in the south they are only they only exist for trafficking uh prostitutes essentially this is the this is the narrative and yet there's obviously a whole so you know that there is a, i'm sure trafficking happens in the south as well there's some of that goes on but actually there's a whole large community of people genuinely studying genuinely trying to get on in life and so on and i, I think that's why that's why it's been really interesting to to have this discussion you know so
1: how have you know that um one, one of the investors in northern cyprus and i'm mentioning this um, is ranked 801 uh-huh. on the world university rank in 2020
0: right so yes. that's
1: yeah, yeah. 801 um, in the world um, so and then 251 on the Young University Rankings 2020. Right, right. So that just gives you a perspective of how much accreditation and recognition mm-hmm. that Northern Cyprus is in terms of universities. And this is interesting because when I came to the island um, last year, it was quite difficult to find. I mean, you wanted to put in an address or something. In so, I mean, a lot of sites, you couldn't find Northern Cyprus. So you either have to choose between Cyprus or Turkey as your address mm-hmm. but slowly two by little a lot of sites are beginning to list northern cyprus mm-hmm. so if, for example if you check the world university ranking sites for universities in northern cyprus you're going to see it is lifting there as northern cyprus mm-hmm. not cyprus or right or turkey and this is significant because this happened only because of the number of international students that have come to North Cyprus or keep coming to Northern Cyprus. So this, this is another dividend. Remember, when I, I take it back to when I said some sort of recognition. So in a sense, they have tacit recognition, but that can be expanded further through the students.
0: Mm-hmm. Because right,
1: right here, even the universities are getting all kinds of recognition, both locally and internationally. And that's also the quality of education that comes out. So yeah, it's, it's much more than for anybody who thinks, oh, it's just for trafficking and it's just for crime and so on. It's far more than that. So Um, that's interesting. So
0: international students are a route to, um, a more, let's say resilient and independent economy. They're a route to better international relations. They're a route to all kinds of things. That's interesting. I think we have probably overrun our normal, uh, my normal 20 minutes. (laughs) I know we have. (laughs) So we better wrap it up there. Anyway, well, thanks for um, coming, and it would have been nice to meet you in person. But the crossing points are still closed. Several months later, it's okay. One day we'll meet in the flesh. Thank you. Thanks a lot for me. You are.